You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Breaking developments here at home in the coronavirus pandemic. We have 45 new cases in BC. That brings the total to 231 in this province. That news comes as BC declares a provincial state of emergency. Keith Baldry explains what that means and the new powers it gives the government. So these are extraordinary times, as we know. And, and with that, BC's top doctor began her daily briefing on a virus that continues to sweep through the province. And the numbers keep going up. Today we have uh, 45 new cases uh, to report. So that brings our total of uh, cases that have been tested uh, positive here in British Columbia to 231. We now have 13 people who are hospitalized, seven of whom are in intensive care here in British Columbia. Uh, five continue to be recovered, and we have no new deaths to report. And there was another number out today, this one about the steady rise in the number of tests for COVID-19. We estimate that at least 17,000 people have been tested and we will have precise numbers on Friday. On yet another front, Dr. Henry hinted there may soon be new rules coming for transit operations. This is an essential service for many people, for getting back and forth to work, for healthcare workers, for other essential services workers. But there are things we can do in our transportation systems, things like minimizing the number of people on cars or regulating the number of people in a, in a bus. And while Dr. Henry made no new public order today, there was a second province-wide order announced by a cabinet minister. I am declaring a provincial state of emergency to support our provincial health officer and Minister of Health in swift and powerful response to the COVID-19 pandemic. The state of emergency gives Mike Farnworth sweeping powers, many designed to ensure the flow of goods continue. Our supply chains are in good shape. People need to use common sense. Um, we are working uh, both at the federal and the provincial level with the Retail Council. Uh, many uh, uh, stores and chains are in fact now putting in place uh, limits. Meanwhile, Dr. Henry ended her briefing with her customary reassuring style. And I will implore all of you to be kind, um, to be calm and to be safe. And we will get through the next few weeks together. All right, let's keep repeating those in our minds. Keith uh, is live in Victoria, joins us now. Uh, the legislature, Keith, is going to resume sitting next week. Obviously, the government wants to speed up the province's response to COVID-19. Yes, it's going to resume sitting, but very unusual, Chris. An historic moment's going to take place because it's only going to sit for one day. It was supposed to come back on Monday and sit uh, till the end of May, but that so far that's not going to happen. So the parties have agreed in an extraordinary, unprecedented fashion to sit for one day to pass a, what's called an interim supply bill to give the government legal authority to spend money past March 31st. They have to spend money to fight this this pandemic, and another bill to protect workers, amending uh, the Employment Standards Act to protect workers who are self-isolated for 14 days, but are aren't protected by sick leave provisions at work. So again, an extraordinary bit of cooperation between all three parties, which speaks volumes, I think, of what uh, the, the politicians are doing right now, working together to fight this thing and passing these laws in just one day. And that goes what Adrian Dix wants everybody to do, is to work together and to fight this thing. And we're going to get through it, as Dr. Bonnie Henry says, eventually. Yeah, it's not too late to join the fight, I think, was uh, mm -hmm. the quote from Dix today. Yep. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. Well, the city of Vancouver is also declaring a state of emergency. That will give City Hall and emergency responders expanded powers to crack down on hoarding, enforce social distancing, and enact plans to help protect people on the downtown east side. Richard Zussman has the details. 
Vancouver is quickly resembling a ghost town. Empty streets, shuttered doors. But Mayor Kennedy Stewart is warning, this could just be the beginning. Make no mistake, there will be much, much more to do as we transition from fighting the pandemic towards recovery and getting our economy moving again. One of those measures could include shutting down restaurants indefinitely in the city for in-person service. It's a power the mayor now has under the state of emergency, but hasn't used yet. For business owners, either you need to change operations to ensure physical distancing or close to the public. Stewart says part of the reason for bringing in this order is some restaurants and bars ignored the edict to close down on Tuesday for St. Patrick's Day. City Council is going to have a virtual meeting on Thursday to pass these measures. I am asking all residents to immediately limit their time in public places. A huge concern for the city is the homeless population living on the streets and those living in shelters and SROs. Warning, if COVID-19 starts there, curbing the spread could be nearly impossible. Most of these residents have little access to safe hygiene and most are immune compromised. An outbreak among these neighbours could be devastating to them and the people who work with them. The city asking for provincial money to help, but for now the city is putting in place 11 new hand washing stations in the downtown east side. From the province, we need a plan for testing frontline workers, funds to keep SROs clean and systems for making sure people living in SROs or on the streets know the risks and what to do to stay as safe as possible. Stewart also asking the province to pass legislation making evictions illegal for the time being. Just one measure of many the provincial government is still considering. Richard Zussman, Global News. Well, the impact of COVID-19 on the restaurant and tourism industries can't be overstated. And the film industry is starting to buckle too. Many who work in Hollywood North are temporary or contract workers who fall through the cracks of employment insurance. John Wad takes a look at how these newly announced enhanced benefits might help. Quiet on the set is an understatement. First, it was the hit show Riverdale that saw production halted last week. You're not going anywhere. Now it seems even Supergirl is no match for the COVID-19 pandemic. Crews on the series told to stay home as a precaution. I was kind of expecting it, but um, uh, it was a shock that it just came like that. For many independent contractors like Bunton, the loss of work in this $3.4 billion industry in British Columbia is a major blow. I wonder what's going to happen to us. We can't get EI, you know, because I have a small business that rents out equipment, you know, so I'm, a, I'm basically self-employed. The Prime Minister swooping in with new measures to help families pay the bills during the outbreak. If you lose your job and you do not qualify for EI, we will be introducing a COVID-19 emergency support benefit to help you. Money is also being offered to small businesses in an effort to keep employees on the payroll. We will provide employers of small businesses with a temporary wage subsidy equal to 10% of salary paid to employees for a period of three months. For those who must take time off work to self-isolate or support those under quarantine, there are funds available as well. This benefit will provide income support of $900 every two weeks for up to 15 weeks. Those who want to sign up are being asked to go online. But the growing need just for EI, already crashing the Service Canada website. 
As crews wait for productions like Supergirl to resume, some feel these new measures won't exactly save the day. It's not going to come really close to covering all the expenses, but it's better than nothing. The harsh reality of those struggling behind the scenes as we all continue to fight the spread of COVID-19. John Hua, Global News. Canada's six biggest banks have agreed to allow people to defer their mortgage payments for up to six months. That's to help homeowners struggling with the financial impact of the COVID-19 crisis. The banks say all deferral requests will be reviewed on a case-by-case basis. It remains unclear if those deferrals will be interest-free. Financial analyst Michael Campbell joins us now with more on the economic fallout, which seems to be everywhere these days. Mike, the dollar hit 68 cents for a time today. How bad could it get? Yes, you're right. And that impacts every one of us. But what it's really about is the strength of the U.S. dollar. Money's pouring into the U.S. from all over the world, especially Europe, where they have real bank problems, severe credit problems. So that's what we're really seeing. Then you throw on our oil prices, by the way. Did you know that Canadian select oil, that's what about two thirds of our oil gets because it can't get to international markets. At one point today, I looked at it, it was $8.80 a barrel. That's not going to work. And it's hit the Canadian dollar. Let me just show you what's happened here. You know, as the markets closed today, we saw a Canadian dollar at $68.95. That means you pay $1.45 for a dollar U.S. Just a month ago, it was 75 and a half cents. You paid $1.32 for a dollar U.S. You know what that means? $1,000 worth of U.S. goods now costs you know, $1,300 today. By the way, I was going to use a vacation example, but no, we can't do that anymore. So, yeah, it has a significant impact on anything we import. This keeps going. All right. Thanks, Michael. Well, the Canada-U.S. border is being closed to all non-essential traffic. We learned that today, made uh, that announcement made this morning by the Prime Minister and U.S. President Donald Trump. Paul Johnson is live for us at the Peace Arch Crossing right now with more on what it means and who's restricted from going across. Paul. Hey, Chris, take a look at the border here behind me right now. This is going into Canada. I just counted four cars waiting to cross into Canada. This at 10 after 6 on a sunny Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening, rather. This is what a global pandemic looks like. This hasn't happened since 9-11. And this time, the path to reopening the border is much less clear. It is a little freaky, but I understand why they're doing it. Most of the traffic Wednesday was this kind. Americans and Canadians crossing back into their home countries to ride out the pandemic. All of them are being welcomed home and will continue to be. Travelers like these, though, will get turned around. We came here to buy Indian uh, groceries, but uh, they don't let us to go. Both Canada and the United States will temporarily restrict all non-essential travel across the Canada-U.S. border. There is simply no way of calculating the long-term impact of a border closure, simply because there's no meaningful precedent in recent history. The only realistic rule of thumb is, the longer it's closed, the harder it will be. It is uh, obviously incredibly important for BC's economy, for Canada's economy. The movement of goods and people across that border is essential to our economy, so this is going to have a significant impact. Sadly, some travelers are also finding out that a trip that's essential to them doesn't meet the government's definition of that word. 
I'm married to a Canadian and we're planning on hunkering down in Canada and obviously now we can't go back and forth. I was hoping to go home to Bellingham to pick up some extra stuff like my laptop um, but I can't do that now because there's no guarantee that I'll be able to return to Canada. But amidst all the disruption and uncertainty, the empty border lanes at PSEARCH gave us this reminder that some things don't change. Check this out, Homeland Security. And one question that's come up, a lot of people have been asking, if you know your geography, what will be the status of Point Roberts? That's the tiny American enclave that's right next to Tawasson. It's separated from the rest of the United States by water and by Canada. People who live there are totally dependent on getting their supplies from Canada. I talked to an official in Washington state today who told me the talks are underway with the Canadian government to try to sort out some kind of a solution for them. And one might ultimately include some kind of a sea lift from the rest of Whatcom County to get them supplies by water, if it goes that far. Chris? All right, we'll keep watching that issue. Thanks very much, Paul. Well, at any given time, there are some 3 million Canadians traveling or living overseas. Now, with borders closing and the widespread cancellation of international flights, there is a flood of people trying to get home. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, in these extraordinary times... That's proving to be a challenge for many of them. Chaos at the Lima airport. People desperate to get out of Peru. Get anywhere, really. The same story for Canadian Ashley Sonnenberg. She's been in Peru since the beginning of March, and now she can't get a flight out. It was just hectic, and every single flight I tried to book, um, it said it was already taken, it said it was overbooked. It said that this flight is cancelled, um, so I wasn't able to book anything. Thousands of Canadians in the same situation. Around the world, either stranded in countries with shut borders or frantically trying to catch flights home while they still can. Brandon Steele was in Norway when that country's borders closed. He paid for a business class ticket. He says basically the last seat left on the last flight out. There was nothing left. It was business class and first class, so you had to pay to get out of the country quite a lot of money. Canadians, including more than 300 people in Peru, have turned to social media trying to get answers because there are very few coming from Foreign Affairs or even Air Canada. The embassy in Lima closed. The most frustrating part is the lack of communication, that we're all just kind of been stuck here stranded. Air Canada and the Canadian embassy aren't doing anything to help. At all? Tuesday, the Prime Minister announced a travel credit program for Canadians to use in order to get home, but admitted there would ultimately be people ended up stranded abroad. People all over the world frustrated at the Canadian government's passive response to this crisis, while other nations are mobilizing to get their citizens home. A group of travelers in Morocco managed to get an emergency flight to the UK, organized through Ryanair. Canadians, it's time to come home. It's like, yeah, Mr. Prime Minister, we would love to come home, but there are no flights. Canada now fully isolated from the rest of the world, except for returning Canadians and permanent residents without symptoms. That is, if they can find a way home. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, as the coronavirus cases go up, so does the public anxiety. There have been numerous reports of frenzied buying of toilet paper, meat and chicken. Now, unfounded rumors of liquor store closures have led to a run on booze. The ridiculousness prompting warnings from two levels of government today. 
Jordan Armstrong reports. Minutes after 9.30 a.m. opening and a steady flow of people at this government liquor store on Vancouver's west side. Inside, cases and flats of beer have been scooped up and the cold zone fridges are picked over. Many shelves of boxed wine are bare. It's, it's rapidly diminished. And it's like that at locations across the province. The hoarding possibly fueled by a social media rumor that liquor stores were about to join the long list of retailers suspending operations amid the COVID pandemic. But the official line from BC's liquor distribution branch is they have no immediate plans to close stores or distribution centers, adding they're working to ensure the supply line is not disrupted. Liquor is just the latest item to be panic-bought. If residents do not immediately change their behavior and begin acting with their fellow Vancouverites in mind, I will work with local retailers and I will take action. We've all seen the long lines at grocery stores with carts full of meat and people hauling away as much toilet paper as they can carry. The reality is this, our supply chains are in good shape. Um, people need to use common sense. But if the unreasonable hoarding worsens or price gouging becomes a problem, the minister says he has tools at his disposal, though he did not specify how they'd be used. The declaration that has been put in place uh, uh, today uh, will give additional powers uh, if necessary. For now, it seems it will be up to retailers to enforce limits and shoppers to be considerate of others. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Save on Foods has just announced big changes today to combat the buying and stockpiling frenzy. The grocery chain will enforce limits on high-demand items. Stores will be open an hour earlier for seniors and people with disabilities. And Save on is limiting its hours for public shopping from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. The new hours and pre-opening shopping begin tomorrow. The grocery giant is also requesting that people who can come into stores stop ordering online to free up that service for people who are confined to their homes. Another sign of these unprecedented times going up at the new Westminster Courthouse. It is addressed to people out of custody, informing them that all criminal court matters have been put over three months and rescheduled for June. B.C.'s Chief Justice has also closed the Supreme Court to all but urgent matters. That closure will last until further notice. Well, it is one of the repeated messages we keep hearing from public health officials. Maintaining your social distance from others can help slow the spread of COVID-19. But while many of us are trying to follow those rules, as Linda Aylesworth reports, staying two meters apart isn't exactly an easy thing to do. We are not entirely helpless against COVID-19. Every one of us has the power to lessen, even stop the spread by observing one simple behavior, social distancing. And yet... And, uh, I am very concerned that people still are not taking this seriously. Right now, I need everyone to follow the advice of the public health officials and maintain between one and two meters of physical distance between yourself and others in public. So what, six feet? Well, it turns out to be almost exactly the distance between these two guys. There, that is six feet. It might seem like a long distance, but they seem to be having fun. As are Devin and Rem, who just met on this sunny day in English Bay. Do you have any idea why I'm speaking to you with a six-foot pole? Yeah, probably because you're keeping the social distancing laws. Right. So we have done it inadvertently. Even so, good for them. 
they understand what social distancing is and why it is. I believe it's a safe distance um, when it comes to uh, anything that's coming out of our mouth or from our bodies, like talking or coughing or laughing. She's right. Virus-laden droplets can travel as far as six feet and remain suspended in the air for several seconds before gravity pulls them down. It's modeling that's been done with influenza. We think that that's a reasonably safe distance. If we don't start taking social distancing more seriously, scenes like these in Italy, where there are far more patients than ventilators to sustain them, could become reality in Canadian hospitals. What we do today is going to help us in the next 10 days, 14 days, two weeks or three weeks. There are lots of precautions we can and should take. Wipes. But social distancing, that's the thing that can halt the pandemic before it gets truly out of control here. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Well, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic has left many people with questions and concerns. So to help get some of those questions answered, Global BC is hosting a virtual town hall. We're going to broadcast tomorrow, March 19th, from 6.30 until 7.30. You can also watch live on our website and on Global BC's Facebook page, and you can listen in on CKNW, too. And we want you to participate uh, by emailing us your questions for BC's Provincial Health Officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, and BC's Health Minister, Adrian Dix. You've seen them here every day doing their daily press conferences. So email questions to them tips at globaltvbc.com or send a video question. You will also be able to ask questions live on Facebook during this virtual town hall. Again, that is this Thursday, tomorrow, right here after a shorter version of the news hour. As most of us make drastic changes to our way of life and our routines, proof tonight the urgency of the COVID-19 pandemic is not being taken seriously by everyone. Images of packed beaches and dancing crowds show many U.S. college students on spring break are not willing to change their behavior, no matter the risk. Alarming spring break images from Texas to Clearwater Beach, Florida. Today, as packed as ever, college students say they see the warnings, including to stay out of crowds. But if I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. I mean, I'm worried for the older people, but not for me. Coronavirus now exposing a generational divide, with authorities pleading for more young people to social distance. We can't do this without the young people cooperating. And just today, a new warning. There are concerning reports coming out of France and Italy about some young people getting seriously ill. Sobering news that's sparking even more outrage over images like these from a lung transplant survivor. Self-centeredness of many who, oh, this is not gonna affect me. I'm the younger generation, we're the healthy ones. Some spring breakers told us they know they're in the spotlight. Is the bad rap earned? I mean, are we seeing your generation ignore what they should be doing? I mean, I'd say no. Because I know our university is completely shut down. Meanwhile, just a short distance from the beach, those most at risk. You like the idea that we're doing the interview like this with this protection? Yes. 93-year-old Shirley Acker told me when she was young, her generation would have heeded the warnings. We did when we were younger. What's the difference today? They think they know it all. (laughs) That's what I think. They think that they're better than the children were years ago. And we just listened. That's why I got to be 93. (laughs) 
Good point. Mm -hmm. Italy is set to overtake China now as its death toll climbs from COVID-19 with 475 more deaths in the past day. That comes as British Prime Minister Boris Johnson finally followed other European countries by announcing that schools in the UK will suspend classes. Global's Redmond Shannon in London explains. Boris Johnson had previously said that closing schools would only have a minimal impact on the novel coronavirus and that it would only force important public service workers to stay home and look after their children. But in his new daily press conference, he said that schools would now close starting Friday. However, his hand may have been forced. Earlier Wednesday, the devolved Scottish and Welsh governments said they were closing schools regardless of what Johnson decided. Many neighbouring European countries had already done so too. Johnson said, however, some schools will stay open as daycare for children of healthcare staff and other essential service workers. So we need health workers who are also parents to continue to go to work and we need other critical workers with children to keep doing their jobs too, from police officers who are keeping us safe to the supermarket delivery drivers, social care workers. Unlike many other European countries, bars, restaurants and most stores are still open in the UK, but almost every potential customer is staying home. The death toll from the virus jumped from 71 to 104 in the UK on Wednesday. But that pales when compared to the situation in Italy. 475 new deaths in the past day alone, almost 3,000 in total. Italy's death toll looks set to overtake China on Thursday. European countries have begun turning away foreign nationals as much of the continent begins its 30-day travel ban on foreign entry. Meanwhile, in Iran, the death toll has topped 1,000. But on a hopeful note, the number of deaths in China in the past day was only 13. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. In Health Matters tonight, the World Health Organization is clarifying its recommendations on the use of a popular anti-inflammatory medication. The agency says people who suspect they have COVID-19 should not take ibuprofen at the moment, commonly sold as Advil or Motrin. Instead, they should take acetaminophen-based products like Tylenol if they're experiencing pain. The WHO says there is still no scientific proof that ibuprofen makes respiratory infections worse, but it is looking into its impact on COVID-19. Those already taking the drug for other conditions should not stop taking the medication without consulting a doctor first. Well, as the crisis continues, medical supplies are in high demand and there are growing concerns about a shrinking supply. So this afternoon, a volunteer group from the Chinese community made a generous donation. Catherine Urquhart has the details. With 13 people now in hospital with COVID-19, more medical supplies will surely be needed. And tonight, a generous donation of medical supplies was made here at VGH by members of Vancouver's Chinese-Canadian community. The BC Chinese-Canadian Charity Group donated 150 goggles, 150 protective suits and 200 full face masks, a value of about $4,000. goggles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and shields, medical yeah. shields. You see? 
Medical shields. This is Fumujin. And this is goggles, medical goggles. Yeah. Yeah, there's gonna be 150 of those mm -hmm. uh, medical goggles. And these uh, uh, medical uh, protective wears. The charity group had been sending supplies to Wuhan, China, the epicenter of the pandemic. But the situation there has vastly improved. Now, as BC braces for more cases, the supplies could well be needed. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A Michigan distillery crafts a new product you can put on your hands, not in your mouth, in the fight against the COVID-19 pandemic. That's right after Christie's forecast. Responsibly doing her part to maintain proper social distance. <laughs> She's over in North Vancouver right now. Christy, you'll get a beautiful That's view right. of the sunset, I bet, from your place. We sure are, yes. And the sun still feels so warm. It's hard to believe that it's not spring yet. Believe it or not, we actually do change over to spring tomorrow evening at 8.50 in the evening, everyone. So uh, uh, we are finally going to change over and it'll feel like it. Now, today we hit double digits. Temperatures were good two to three degrees above seasonal. This is perfect weather considering what everyone's dealing with right now. We couldn't have asked for anything better. Uh, record-breaking temperature, or not record-breaking, pardon me, the hottest temperature across Canada was in Port Alberni at 16 degrees today. A few other areas hit 16, as you can see in Squamish, but that's rounding up the number and they were just... Uh, 0.1 degree below that. Uh, 14 degrees in Osoyoos, Lytton 14, Lillooet as well. Incredible. Now tonight though, temperatures are going to plummet. Without that heat or the cloud cover, we lose the heat. We'll also see a bit of wind chill and that's the number on your right, the regular temperature on your left uh, with the low. So one degree is our low tomorrow morning in Vancouver. Potentially a little bit of frost, but for the most part, we'll warm up nicely as soon as the sun climbs in the sky. Some cloud cover expected inland in the morning, but clearing skies expected, except for the East Kootenai region, where you'll continue with mainly cloudy skies throughout the day. So sunshine tomorrow, high of 12 degrees. Many areas away from the water will likely hit about 15 or 16 degrees. And yes, it will be spring by the end of the day tomorrow. So first full day on Friday, and it will feel like that. We have a change in the forecast by Sunday. Day, but at this point, it's not a washout, just a chance of showers. So pretty nice out here, certainly. We're waiting for the sunset to occur, and uh, it's nice to have the warmth on my back and be outside here. Sorry for you guys, but that's what social distancing will mean over the next little while. <laughs> it means that we come into the office, she gets to be outside in the sunshine. All right, thanks, Christy. Getting an early start on that tan. All right, thanks very much. A Michigan distiller known for its vodka and gin has switched gears to bottle up a much-needed blend more appropriate for all ages. Hand sanitizer is a new product for Mammoth Distillery, and they are offering most of it for free or at a discounted price to people in need. The owner says once the production of spirits slowed down, he decided to use the alcohol he had in stock to make this highly coveted commodity. We're getting a lot of inbound requests from nursing homes. I just got an email from the Autism Centers of Michigan saying they're in desperate need of, of product they can't find anywhere else. So we're going to ramp up production a little bit to handle those requests as well as to handle customers that want to come in and fill up here. All right, time to check in with Squire with a look at sports. A lot of leagues, Squire, trying to figure out what they're going to do going forward. And, uh, I mean, it's sort of a wait and see for a lot of these guys. It is. I mean, all ideas are on the table. Although the junior leagues are making moves, the uh, Western Hockey League, if it's allowed to finish the season, they will just restart with the playoffs. With only a few games left in the regular season, the Western Hockey League 
went from points to win percentage to decide the 16 playoff teams. Every BC team qualified except Prince George. Uh, now, this of course is provided they can actually play the playoffs. They don't know when that can happen. Nobody knows. Vancouver would play Victoria in the first round. Kamloops would play Kelowna. All right, the Seattle Seahawks need a better pass rush this coming season. So they reached into the hot tub time machine and signed someone who was last with them when they won the Super Bowl. Defensive end Bruce Irvin, who was with Carolina last year. And this is what Seattle was missing. Someone who gets to quarterbacks. Now Irvin is older than he used to be, of course, but he can still catch quarterbacks. And the beauty is he can drop back and play linebacker and work against the passing game that's what he did in Seattle before. He was the Seahawks' first-round pick in, um, I think, 1992. No, 2012, I should say. He left the Hawks after the 2015 season, and he tweeted that he's happy to be coming home to Seattle. And the Chicago Bears acquired quarterback Nick Foles from Jacksonville for a fourth-round draft pick. Foles played only a year in the Jags organization. In Chicago, he could become a starter ahead of Mitchell Trubinsky, but Nick Foles is also the kind of veteran who is a very good quarterback mentor. He could help Trubinsky, which is why Philadelphia had him around to help Carson Wentz. And, of course, when Wentz got hurt, he filled in and won a Super Bowl. Well, one iconic sporting event was held despite coronavirus, and that was the annual Iditarod dog sled race, which goes from Anchorage to Nome, Alaska covering 975 miles or 1,569 kilometers. Since there aren't a lot of fans willing to stand in the frigid cold and watch the mushers, they felt it was safe to hold the race. 58 began it, and just after midnight today, a winner arrived. Thomas Varner of Norway, who has run the race before. He got to the finish line in nine days. 10 hours, 37 minutes, and 47 seconds. His first ever win in the Iditarod. That's now 26 straight years. The winner has finished in under 10 days. However, they have canceled the winner's banquet and the Meet the Mushers event because of COVID-19. Cavi Tour has been at UBC for over 20 years. He's been a big part of their legacy projects like the Aquatic Center and the Thunderbird Park. Make that Thunderbird, Thunderbird Park and the Doug Mitchell Sports Center, just to name a few. And now he is the man in charge of athletics and recreation, taking the job only a week ago. What a time to, to enter the role. So many mixed emotions, obviously a lot of excitement around the announcement and tons of support amongst uh, university and uh, outside the UBC colleagues. But And then to go be thrust right into uh, dealing with all this issue that we're dealing around with COVID-19 and uh, all the dramatics that have occurred to it. So it's been quite, it's quite, it's been quite an interesting first week. Interesting is one way to describe UBC Athletic Director Cavi Tour's first week on the job. Overwhelming could be another. Tour beginning as Athletic Director tenure by having to postpone or cancel the activities of all UBC's 26 sports teams across 14 varsity sport disciplines. The, the thing is when you see disappointed student-athletes uh, who can't participate, especially the ones who are seniors, like I really feel for the guys who are uh, at the Hockey Nationals, I really feel for NAIA sports, uh, especially the ones who this is their last shot to participate with all these seasons being cancelled, you really feel for them not being able to have their last shot. Tour is a proud member of the T-Bird family who bleeds blue and gold. He's a third-generation UBC student earning three degrees. But Cavi's initial shot at university life was an airball. 
one that almost ended just as it was getting started. So was it a true story that I heard your first year because it was so intimidating for you that you would go back home every weekend? Yeah, every, every weekend for the first six weekends, it was an overwhelming experience. So every weekend it was a drive back to Chilliwack and it was like, I don't know, I don't know about this place. I don't know if I'm going to last. Uh, uh, it's big, scary, overwhelming, intimidating. So that was very much the case until that moment came when, you know, really had that nudge uh, around sort of playing football and watching football. But it was really just an opportunity to, to the power of sport to connect people and bring people together. And I really believe that that's what makes sport unique. Out of those challenges and perseverance, two decades later, UBC's athletic director emerged. Cavi's now in charge of a $34 million athletic program, one that for the most part funds itself. Now he'll lead UBC into the future. Over $200 million worth of capital projects are on the horizon. His number one priority is putting UBC athletes and the sports they play front and center. Uh, there's uh, four projects on the go. Uh, one, a new uh, student rec center. Uh, we're early stages for, uh, for a reimagined re War Memorial Gymnasium. Uh, a new Thunderbird Stadium is on the list, and then also a new strength and conditioning center for student athletes. So those are all very much front of mind. I see the T-Bird logo. What does it mean to you? What I've often said a few times is it's a logo inside and out. So yes, it's a logo on a, a jersey, on a sweater, on a scarf. But really, for me, it's also inside as well. It's one of those things you can't replicate when people really feel it. So provincial health officer Dr. Bonnie Henry has been getting a lot of praise lately for being calm while guiding BC through this COVID-19 crisis. She has inspired a fan club on Twitter, and now Dr. Henry is being celebrated in song. Brad McLeod has more. Roommates Vicki Ferguson and Amy Shire showing their admiration for a certain provincial health officer. Dear Dr. Bonnie, what to say to you? A song for Dr. Bonnie Henry. And we know you are so smart. One of the writers responsible spoke about their muse with CKNW's Jill Bennett. So it actually came up a few days ago with our third roommate who's not in the video. I think we did it in like a half hour or so. And of course, the song was posted to the Dr. Bonnie Henry fan club on Twitter. Yes, you have a fan club. How do you feel about that? I'm, I'm slightly embarrassed, maybe. <laughs> the feed, much-needed escapism during the very real COVID crisis. People posting about Henry's calming voice, even her shoes. But most were won over by her recent vulnerability. It's a very difficult time. You cried and it broke our hearts. Many other Canadians also bringing levity lately. And everything else. Jan Arden recently giving a concert from her home. Perhaps the country that inspired it all, hard-hit Italy, where spontaneous song has been raising spirits. That's professional tenor Maurizio Marcini from a Florence balcony. The evening streets of Siena, echoing. The year vendredi, ça fait 64 cas. Oh, Adrian, your French is a real mood, my dude. Ferguson, on the left, thought the song could bring cheer to those isolating themselves right now. My sister is immunocompromised, so has decided to isolate. Vaccines. A time where science could save many, but song may help us live. Brad McLeod, Global News. <laughs> Social distancing, the air you know high what? five. The sentiment was there, right? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. It's very cool. We're actually going to have uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry in the studio 
at a safe distance. In the cabinet office she'll be. Sorry, sorry, yes, in the cabinet office. I guess the original plans were to have uh, both she and Adrian Dix here, but we're having a virtual town hall tomorrow, so we will do it virtually where you can ask questions of the provincial health officer and, and hopefully get them answered. A lot of people are very concerned. So just email us your tips uh, to that email address, tips at globaltvbc.com. You could also send us a video question. Shoot it that way, yeah. that way, this way. And we will hopefully get to all those questions. Okay, the gang's all here, albeit separately. <laughs> and we are <laughs> saying goodbye to winter tonight, Christy. That's right. Last full day of winter today. Tomorrow we officially change over at 8.50 p.m. And it's actually going to feel like spring. Oh, looking forward to that. All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy. Have a good night.